1: Today's episode is brought to you by The American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Alan Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, The American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp edged satire and a must see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical to get tickets now.
3: Hello, I'm Sayuda Garrett, an Uppity Knitter and host of the Uppity Knitter podcast, Celebrity Hobbies Uncovered, a show about your favorite celebrities and their unusual hobbies. Welcome. My guest today is a remarkable actor, writer, and director who comes to us with an impressive list of successful film, TV, and live onstage credits, including Ali, Con Air, and the Oscar nominated film Fences, just to name a few. But he's probably most remembered as the affable and truly lovable character, Bubba, in Forrest Gump. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Michael T. Williamson. Saida. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Before we get started, many of you have asked why this podcast is called The Uppity Knitter. Well... Although I'm well-known as a singer-songwriter, my favorite hobbies are knitting and crocheting, which some fans are very surprised to learn about me. The name came from a personal experience that I had one day in L.A.'s West Side. I sat in a knitting circle with a bunch of white ladies, and I looked over to my right at what this woman was knitting, and I said, my, that's really pretty. What are you, what are you knitting with? She says, oh, this is just cotton. And then she looks over at my lap, and she says, what are you knitting with? I said, I'm, I'm knitting with cashmere. She said, oh, aren't you an uppity knitter? Mm. I said, what did you call me? She said, I said knitter, I said knitter. That woman got so red, and to this day, that story cracks me up so much. and makes <laughs> me smile every time I say the word uppity knitter. So that's why I uh, uh, chose to name my podcast that. I've embraced that moniker. Um, It makes me, it just cracks me up. And I'm inviting some of your favorite celebrities to chat with me about some of their unusual hobbies. So, Michael T., man, let me just say I'm so proud of your success. Almost like I had everything to do with it. I I feel like that about you. (laughs) Full disclosure, Michael T. and I go way back. Yes.
4: To the 80s. To the 80s when we were up-and-coming artists. Man. With day jobs, grinding. I sold sandwiches and the upperty knitter had a job upstairs in Century City in a nice building and I was hustling sandwiches. I was a clerical temp, darling. Yes, yes. Clerical temp and what? you were the good sandwich guy. Yeah, but listen, because I put love on it. I, I arranged we, everything. We I put flowers it. in my basket when I was selling stuff. People, oh, nice flowers. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried to do everything I could to like elevate that so I can get my cheese. Right? I love it. And you were so cool because there were days I wouldn't sell hardly anything. And when I got to where you were, which was like halfway through my route. Yes. You saw it was almost full. And you looked at me and you said, and I knew you were not hungry. And you bought something from me, and you elbowed some of the other black women and Aww. made them buy some stuff, and it changed. It made my day. Wow! And I never forgot it. Ciao. Yeah, but that's who you are from way back to me for real. So the people listen. Saidi Garrett is bomb. She called me one time, and how many times? How long did it take me to say yes? About thirty seconds. I don't know
3: if it's not even that. It. <laughs> I, love I said it. yeah, I, love I got it.
1: you.
4: I love it. You yes. turned
3: me in that job that you had, you turned me on to the dark brown sweetness of squaw bread. Oh. I, had no <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I remember telling you that I was a singer, and you told me as as confidently as 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 you knew it was happening, you were very confident about letting me know that you uh had the desire to be an actor. And I didn't know you were a child actor at that time. I right. had no idea. Right. I, I mean, I learned that in my research. But When I told you I was a singer and you told me you were an actor, I was like, yeah, okay, um, great. I think I'll have the tuna with the squaw bread. You know, it was just like,
0: next. Right, Right. next. Um,
3: But we struck up a casual office friendship and that has stood the test of time. That's exactly right. I love it. That's right. I love it. So, Mr. Williamson.
4: Talk to me, sister.
3: Tell us what hobbies you have that fans of yours, of your acting, don't know that you're into. Um,
4: Well, I, I would say the first thing that I'm into is like, raising my raising the bar for myself and everybody around me spiritually to kick the day off. Okay. That's just how I roll. Sometimes people fight me on it, but they're gonna get it anyway. Okay.
3: Because that's how
4: I put love on it. Right. So that's one of the things I do. I try to put love everywhere I go. Sometimes, you know, you gotta be strong to do it. But I try to do that. That's one of the things I do all the time and try to live every single day that people should be aware of. That's why you see it reflected in my work. There are things that I barred lines I won't cross. Because I don't think it's necessary, not in storytelling, Hmm. right? So that's one thing. Then I like classic cars. What? I appreciate classic cars. And I I, I own a a classic truck that I brought today. Which is? Which is a 1953 Chevrolet 3100 pickup truck. It's a farm truck. Chevy
3: 3100.
4: All right. Yeah, it's a farm truck, but it's a pretty fly little farm
3: truck. I love that. Thanks to White Walls.
4: I've had it for probably over 20 years. Did you restore it from? From scratch. It was a farm, tr- literal farm truck I bought off a farm in Northern California. Ah. Just racing around in sports cars. We were racing the Ferrari guys up there. So our team versus the Porsche and Ferrari, we like like, they there, going way too fast when I was younger. <laughs> and uh, Laguna Seca, the whole thing, because I like to drive fast. Then I like to cruise now. I- All right. If I go too fast, you can't see my truck. I see. I you g- know, I got you got to see this truck. What got you into classic car restoration in the first place? I just think classic things, American things, American people are beautiful. Mm. You are a classic American, I must say. I just think we're we're beautiful. Those of us who really want to be American and really don't want to tear the place up, we want to fix it. We're beautiful. I love like it. You. I just want to fix it. the thing. I don't want to tear it up. I just want to <laughs> fix it. Let's fix it. I heard that
3: before your acting career took off that you had a business of remodeling kitchens and That's bathrooms. Right. right. How did your experience in that translate into remodeling classic cars?
4: Well, I started the car thing years ago. My mom bought me a magazine called Handyman Magazine. Okay. Go, because, mom. Yeah, because I was being raised single mom. My dad, who was a cool cat, he and my mom fell out. They went separate ways. and He bounced. So- I kinda had a long distance relationship with my stepdad, who was my dad. Okay. Right? But my mom kept the rest, kept us, and even kept some other people's kids. Oh. So she needed somebody to fix stuff.
3: Oh. That was her end
4: game. A, I see. She said, ooh, look at this. Isn't that pretty? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Do you think you could do that? <laughs> I love it cuz I was always that. building stuff. I was building all kinds of stuff outside, building go-karts, building, building and my go-kart was always the flyest. Of course it was. Cuz I waited till I got the right screws. I didn't use nails and the wheel come off like bang. <laughs> I was not that little black kid. I love it. Well yeah, but so my mom got me into the magazine, handyman and then I started Going to Radio Shack, hanging out when Radio Shack was around and learning stuff. And I learned we had shop classes back then, if you remember. yes, yes. Kids don't get shop classes now. They don't we had get anything. wood shop. I know. I'm so sorry. No music. Someone has privatized all the shop classes, which to me is criminal. Because mm. it, that made America better. Mm. Because people who are not really college bound would go off and do a carpentry business. Have a trade. Or, yeah. but have a real trade. Yes. A, and they would be crafts. Persons. Right, right. Now they got to come up with some more money after high school because somebody wants you to sell it to you. That was yours anyway with your tax dollars. It's crazy. <laughs> they done took that from you, man. Wow. I want to fix stuff like that. That's all. It. Yeah. So that's my background. I, I, I try to fix stuff. Even movies I go on, I see somebody that's not that strong. I'll move around and kind of turn them away from the camera a little bit for a certain line and then walk back and bring them back Aww. to keep the movie strong and to keep them in a job. Because if they're real bad on camera, they're not gonna work anymore. They ain't gonna last.
3: That's so, really kind of you. Most artists, actors, especially, are not that generous with
4: their time and energy for other actors. Well, I want to be in good movies. I heard that, I don't wanna, and you have been. I don't, I'm don't very want some Jack you. Rabbit messing the movie up, and I'm in it. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> for what? When you restore your cars, yeah. have you found
3: that? Do you restore them just for you, or do you restore cars? and have turned them into a business to to uh do that for others.
4: It's it's just for me. Ah. Yeah, I th- this truck that's outside right now is not even finished. And why you bring an
3: unfinished piece of uh, d- You have seen I'm kidding,
4: it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Listen, and and <laughs> uh, and I was telling a cat who had a beautiful Malibu. I said, "Man, brother, I love your car. Some cats from Riverside, a car show." And I was like, "Wow." And I knew all this stuff about his car, and what kind of car it was. 67 like Malibu, right? SS. Yes. So I was telling him everything about his 6. It was a 6.4 Boo. That's what it was. A 64 Boo. And I was like, dude. And he was like, you know a lot about cars. I said, yeah, I got a little truck at the house, man. I'm not finished with it yet. He said, what kind of truck? So I said, it's a 53 Chevy, but I'm not done with it yet. You know, it's this. it's that. I put this on. I'm headed here. He's like, well, what are you talking about it for if it ain't ready? I said, oh, okay. You So what? What is that? Y'all, you want me to bring it? I said, he said, yeah, bring it to the show. I stopped talking about it. I love And it. all his homeboys was looking. I went to the show and won the car show, won best pickup truck and best of show. Wow! Yeah. and the truck ain't finished. That dude was so mad he started up his Malibu and got out of there. <laughs> like
3: that's what you get how, when you when you start on a classic car. How, have you gotten to a point in a car where you said, "I I can't, I, I give up. I can't work
4: with this car. I can't do anymore."
3: Have you ever given up on a car that you started restoring?
4: Not because I wanted to. Okay. Either someone wanted it far more than I did for their collection. Ah. Or I had a car one time, a 61 Impala. I was restoring it and a guy would go by the shop every day, try to buy my car. And one day they cut a hole in the fence and put a big trash can against it so they could come get my car and the owner of the the shop called me and said, Hey man, you need to come get your car out of here because these, really? these guys, uh, this, this, this gang, they're, they're trying, this gang trying to get your car. Wow. So I said, Well, how much is he talking about paying? And he told me, I said, Well, tell him I'm going to move it. It's gone, but I'll sell it to him. And I marked it up 50%. And Did he buy it? it, it? The, yeah.
3: Oh, wow.
4: Yeah. Do you check out classic cars in every town or country that you visit? One of my one of the things I like to do is photograph old cars in fields and old barns. Oh. I love to photograph old barns. I have so many photographs of old barns I've shot. Are you gonna do a book? Is that a book? I would like to at some point.
3: That sounds
4: like a book to me, brother. So yeah, I like I like cool vintage looking stuff. Like you look so fly, man, can I say that?
3: You can say it again. Say it
4: again. No, that is so bomb. That is so fire. This
3: is something that I knitted myself. I know. Thank you. Um, Wow, that
4: thing is cool.
3: Tell me the make and model of the
4: very first car that you restored. 1958, Volkswagen Beetle.
3: What? I, that was my first car. It wasn't 58. It was okay. 68.
4: 68? Yeah. Okay. That was the best car I've ever owned. That's good. That's an American-made Volkswagen. Really? Yeah. 67 was the last year of the German-made. Ah, didn't yeah. know that.
3: That, that car did me well. That's good. Yes. That's cool. Yes. Do you have classic car restoration heroes or others that you follow? Is there a- Car restoration community like there is for knitters and crocheters. Yeah, th-
4: there is, but I don't really follow anybody. I see things that I think are interesting, and then I, you know, I, I just enjoy other people's the result of other people's creativity. Mm. I can respect it, but it's not my own. I, the way I fix cars up, people just go, "Wow, how much did you spend? That's all you spent?" I'm like, "Yeah, wow." Yeah, you ain't got to be no fool to have a nice looking car. Do you photograph the cars?
3: Before and after? or I just... do. Oh, nice. Yeah.
4: I photograph cars at the houses or locations where I first find them, right in the front yard, right there with the sign in the window. That's wow. like my truck. I got the whole book on that truck.
3: I love that. Yeah. Do it's... you ever have certificates of authenticity made up for, for the vehicles that you restore?
4: Well, uh, I'm having this particular vehicle appraised this week so yeah. I-, I can keep the value high. With a certified appraisal.
3: Yes. Yes,
4: but that's what's going on now. That's the next step with this truck.
3: What's the most you've been
4: offered for any car you or truck you've restored?
3: You can tell me. I won't tell the IRS. I won't.
4: The most. Well, I'll just say there's a car I sold not long ago, and they go for two seventy five right now. Two seventy five thousand. What? Look, I got a drum machine. That costs twenty five grand now. If you can get your hands on one, is it a Lin? No. What is it? It's the SP twelve hundred. That huh? thing is twenty grand. Huh? Yep. What? Yep. Wow. Am I right, Craig T? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Have you ever been asked to donate one of your restored cars for charity? No. <laughs> You wouldn't? No.
4: Okay. <laughs> I'll just give you some money. Don't be taking my toys away. I ain't donating nothing.
3: Who's the most interesting person <laughs> that you've met
4: restoring vehicles? Uh, Wow. That's a really good question. Okay. Do you have you a said, really good answer? The most interesting? I don't know if anyone's mo- most interesting. I don't know. Let me think about that. Okay. One. Tell me this. What is the one
3: car that you've restored that you never thought you'd get your hands on?
4: That I've restored? Yes. 1989 Porsche Speedster.
3: Oh, you never thought you'd get your hands on one of those? No. Wow. No,
4: nope. I thought I'd have to keep bailing family and folks out of their little stuff, Got it. and I wouldn't <laughs> really get to have what I wanted.
3: Got it. You're but so cool,
2: Pappy. I was so able to cool, pull, buddy, it, I I was able to pull it off. <laughs>
3: do you when you restore cars do you restore them to their original color or do you create new colorways for the the vehicles that you've restored well
4: I've done both um there's something called a resto mod it's like a restored restored car, but it's a modified car mixed okay and so this this truck I'm driving now is kind of a resto mod i mean, it's, it's like it's a it's a resto classic is what it is did you change the color of it when you oh yeah uh oh! Is I have it like a cool?
3: Pretty is it a cool like? I'm not telling you. Walk your okay, line all outside. Okay. All
4: right. All right. I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> you got legs. Let's
3: go. <laughs> yes, we're here with Mr. Michael T. Williamson, and we'll be right back after this short
0: break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
2: And welcome back
3: to The Uppity Knitter. We're here with Mr. Michael T. Williamson. I, I have heard you talk about things in your life that you consider to be therapeutic. Yeah. Do you consider car restoration therapeutic? Is it soothing or or is it exciting and thrilling to you? It,
4: it's both. But it, it's more calming for me. Ah, like knitting is for me. Yeah, it's calming. It And it's my own creativity. Whatever I'm feeling creative about. Like your designs, you want now. I think I'll do a little bit of this color. Now yeah. I think I'll do that. That's how cars are.
3: Are you friends with people at the, like um, Manny Mo and Jack? What was the, the name of that? The Pet Boys. Yeah. You, no, you, you, no, no. 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 Okay. No, I'm good. How do you get your your parts? And you have to you have to buy old parts for the old cars, right? Yeah. you you've...
4: you buy new parts, or you get the old parts rebuilt? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: when you can't find what it is you're looking for for this 1958 whatever, you just have one made? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, it is. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Do you think car restoration fills a certain void in your
4: life? I think it. it's not really a void. It's um, It just fills another one of amount- my... You know, you got these little valleys where your love is a little, it's not as fulfilled in this little area as you would like it to be, and you come back up, and everything else is cool. Now. Yeah, that's life. Peaks that's and life. valleys, brother. Peaks, Peaks and valleys. And valleys. <laughs> so that's what I dig about restoring cars because it's just we go off on a mission to find this part at this farm in Nebraska, and you heard the guys oh got two god. or three of them.
3: Oh my god! And so
4: you just get you a ticket, buy it in advance, and then you save money, and then you go get the part. And then you, just, you develop relationships with these people, and that's how you put your car together.
3: I love it. So they know when they come across a part that they think you might need, do they contact you and tell you, I got this this Jimmy rig hook
4: for the 1942 Ford whatever. Well, there are people that all of us call when we're looking for something. Ah. So we give them a name and number and what it is, and they put it in their database. And then ah. he'll call us and say, hey, do you still have those starters for blah, 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 blah. And you go, yeah, I got two of them. You say, okay, well, I need one. Blah, 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 blah. And that's how it goes. I love that. Yeah, but you build a community by you know people trying to find cars.
3: Do you look to your hobby of restoring cars to be challenging or do you feel like it's a, an escape from it's, your daily routine?
4: It's both. It's challenging because you won't always find what you want. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging because you don't always have the time but you need to spend the time with your car or right. your truck right? or your airplane or whatever that thing is, your knitting or whatever or it is. Or your three kids. Or you, yeah. No, that's priority. Oh, okay. Got it. That's always been priority. Got that's it. why my truck sat for over 20 years because my kids were first. Aww. This truck sat for over 20 years. I just got it running recently. And Are your kids this grown? Paint, yeah. <laughs> okay. And this, and, this, and this paint job is when you see it, this paint job is about 27 years old and people go, where'd you get it painted? I said, man, twenty-seven years ago, that dude moved to what? St. Louis. They go, wow, yeah, but it looks cool. I'm telling you, man, this it's all right.
3: Have you referenced or featured any of your restored cars in any of the films
4: or television shows that you've done? N- no, only in uh, a couple of magazine articles i nice. have shown my my truck. The other cars are kind of kept out of sight um, because this guy, you know, put my license plate number in. Oh, I'm like, dude, what you boy.
3: doing? Oh, what are you doing? Boy.
4: Ouch. Oh, I'll take those out. And he didn't. And it was in the magazine. I'm sorry. Knucklehead. That's all right. <laughs> My daddy would call it ass. You know what genius. I mean? Gene ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael
3: T., you're <laughs> hilarious. In closing, please tell our audience what it is that you're doing and what's going on in your life right now. Um, do I have 30 to 60 seconds? You got as much time well, as you man. need. Okay, My brother, gonna come on I'm going to eat all of, of that. Eat that guess. whole sandwich.
4: Do it. Listen, I love you, Saida. You know I do. I love you black, baby I know you I love, love you me black. right black. And I appreciate it. So, so so listen, there was one third thing that I, I, I like to do, and that is I play harmonica.
3: Yes, I understand. That's a and hobby yeah. of yours. And
4: then my brother from another mother, Craig T. Cooper, who's your brother yes, as well, yes. is here in the studio and he's gonna come up and we're gonna do a little something with you.
3: Hey, Craig. Yeah. Come on over come here, on man. Come on up here, man. Show us what you got.
4: I like the way you work
3: it. Right. <laughs> you got the bag it it. So, impromptu, what are we going to do? Oh, a little blues. Michael T. Williamson. And Mr. Craig T. Cooper. A little uppity knit of blues right here. Yeah, I decided to be a podcaster. I heart gave me my own show. Yeah, I decided to be a podcaster. And I heart gave me my own show. I partnered up with Seneca women and they taught me everything I know. Michael T, what you got, baby? Up in it a blues. Whoa. Yeah. I needed a guest for my new podcast show And I reached out to one of my celebrity friends Well, I needed a guest for my new podcast show So I reached out to one of my favorite celebrity friends Got a call back from Michael T Who said, just tell me where and when Yeah! Craig T, what you got, baby?
2: Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
3: whoa, whoa.
4: A little something, a little messing around. So, so, so listen. Right. Finally, we want to end
3: the show with a little segment I call "Knit a What," and this is where I ask you, my guest, to share a little something about something that happened to you that came as a shock or a surprise or made you say, "Oh no, they
4: didn't." It's like knit oh. a what? Listen, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Okay. I just, I just guessed it. I did an eight-episode guest star arc on a series, and Halfway through, the woman who I went over to do the deal with was replaced. Ooh. So I was like, all right, Lord, you got this. So they started, the new writer started writing things that I considered extremely racist. Okay. And I was like, that's not what I signed up for. Hmm. And the lady that got replaced, she knew, but she was gone. Maybe that's why she left. And so I was fixing stuff every day. And then they had... They wanted me to snatch a little white girl. I said, no. My character's supposed to be like a high-profile drug lord, gangster guy who's smart enough to get rid of the Italian mob and the Albanian mob. Okay. So why is he doing all this like low-level... Choke you out
3: kind of...
4: Is, why is his cognition suddenly so low? What's mm-hmm. going on? He's mean. He's horrible. So I said, I'm not snatching a little white girl. Y'all can forget that. <laughs> Niddle, <"Fix> what? Fix it. <laughs> yeah, Niddle, <nitto>, What? <laughs> I'm like, look, as hard as I've been working to be Michael T. Williamson, now I'm supposed to sell it, everything I'm about? I told y'all what I would and would not do before I got here. I said, no victimizing women, children, elderly people. I'm not disparaging groups, and I'm not doing your politics or your religion. So I told them I wouldn't choke this woman, because they came up with a scene for me to grab her by her throat and choke her and slam her against the wall Mm. so she could say, I would be afraid if you actually had the balls to do anything. So now it's about a black brother's balls. Oh, it's boy. about all this oh, stuff. What? And this is a, <laughs> this is a mixed race person who presents as, as a white, white. person. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that unless something wrong with you. That's We are who we are. Well, I, this person filed a false HR claim against me because she got so mad because I wouldn't choke her. They said, well- she says, there's no drama in the scene. I said, well, what you going to do, T? I said, well, listen, you can choke your damn self. You got two hands. Throw yourself around the room. Gyrate. It'll be, You're always accusing me of taking the drama out of the scene. That'll have so much drama in it that the audience will not be able to walk away. Everybody will be talking about it. I love but, it. But I ended up checking her, so, she, so HR ended up investigating me. I said, what? Mm. I'm a guest star. I said, all right, it's cool, whatever. So I called all my prayer partners all across the country. I said, look at this. They were like, nitter,
2: what? Nitter, what?
4: Fast forward, I'm investigated. So then the HR, I talked to HR, they interview me, and I'm transparent. I tell the truth about everything, man, because I ain't scared of nobody. Right. So HR asked me two questions. Did I say I I represented straight black men? I said, yeah, of course. But whatever you represent, you're supposed to do it at the highest level. That's right? right. Whatever that is. And then they asked me. If I said she presented as white, I was like, yeah, and I explained. I was like, but it was, listen, if I owe her an apology or something, I would jump all over that, even if I don't. You give it Whatever, anyway. yeah. Right. I'm gonna give you some. I'm gonna give you some love, and y'all can listen in. Right. And tell me if it qualified. But they they finally investigated, and they said it was unsubstantiated. That of her, of course her, it was. But yeah, well that's all right. All right. Because listen, I ain't mad at her. Okay. I know. I, I let it go. But the story I have to share so that people who may be going through something similar can be encouraged to keep going. Because people are not my source anyway, nor yours. True that. People are vessels, and when they hook me up, they get so blessed. I feel blessed today. Thank hey, you I so feel much for having joining you here me. with me. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, everybody.
3: Thank you so much for joining us on the Uppity Knitter podcast, Celebrity Hobbies Uncovered, a show where your favorite celebrities talk about their unusual hobbies. Join us next time. See you then.
1: The Uppity Knitter podcast is brought to you by Black Chick Productions. Our show is hosted by Saida Garrett. Our producer is Eric Nuri, and we're recorded and edited by Felicia Morris at Morris Media Studios in Los Angeles. Special thanks go out to our friends at iHeartMedia and Seneca Women.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.